Good morning. Good to see you today. We are so glad that you're here this morning. We're excited not only that you're here, but that we're starting a new series today. We're also excited about yesterday. Uh, we had a chilly fundraiser for Deidre Spawn. If you're new today, uh, there's a lady that attends our church, uh, has been here for years. Uh, she was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia a while back. And anyway, long story short, we had a chilly fundraiser to help her with some of those expenses yesterday. And uh, not only our church, but a lot of people from the community came and was a part of that. And the money's still coming in, but right now uh, we're at $15,000 raised yesterday for Deidre and her family. That's awesome. That makes me more than happy. (laughs) That's what our series is, More Than Happy. We're talking about that there's more to life than happiness. Um, And we're talking specifically about that within that, God is more concerned about us being holy than he is happy. God is more concerned about us being holy than happy. We all ready to leave now? (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about uh, from Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and you want to go there with me, you can. To Matthew chapter 5 or the YouVersion app. There's also notes in there. But we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, basically essentially changing the filter, changing the culture. Jesus was always doing this. Um, From the very beginning, Jesus steps on the scene and he begins to say things that don't make sense to people. Like, turn the other cheek, forgive 70 times 7. Um, If someone asks for your tunic, give them your cloak. If someone asks to go one mile, you go two. The first, you know, you're the first in line, you're going to be last. And the last in line, guess what? You're going to be first. He was always doing things that would just rock the culture. And he starts uh, what we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 5 with the most famous and longest sermon that he ever preached. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you're in between readings and you're looking for something to do in your personal devotional time, bury yourself in Matthew 5 through 7. It's essentially the Sermon on the Mount. And I encourage you just to read that. It's, it's an amazing, uh, basically, culture change that Jesus was bringing in, but he was teaching his disciples and even us today that there's more to life than being happy, that the filter needs to move from being happy to being holy. See, we've, we've basically in our culture, we have, whether we admit it or not, Christian or unchristian, um, believer or atheist, we all in our minds, whether we want to admit it or not, if we're not careful, the filter that we filter everything through in life is happiness. Is my marriage what it needs to be? The filter is happiness. Is my job what it needs to be? The filter is happiness. The doctor's report that he gives us, is it make me happy? But Jesus is saying, we were not created just to be happy. In fact, what he's saying is the filter in our lives is Christ-likeness. It's not happiness. That creates a tension for us, for me anyway, because I want to be happy. But Jesus said, I'm less concerned about present circumstances, and I'm more concerned about Christ's likeness. And he starts the longest sermon with these these 12 verses called the Beatitudes. And here's what he says. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus decides this is the right time to talk to them. He gets up. And he goes to the mountainside and he sits down and he gathers people around him and he gets on a soapbox. 
Have you ever got on a soapbox before with your kids or your husband or your wife or someone? I've been on a soapbox lately with my kids, specifically about getting their towel and their uh, wash rag before they get in the tub. Get your towel and get your rag before you get in the tub. I'm doing important things in there. I'm watching TV. And when you ask me, Daddy, I forgot my towel. Guess what I have to do? Okay, I'm watching Gunsmoke right now. All right? Whatever you're... Get your towel. Dad, why is your vein popping out your head? Because I want you to get your towel. And I want you to get your rag. Stop hollering my name. I'm going to come in that tub. Okay, I better stop there. Soapbox. Jesus is getting on a soapbox similar to the way we get on a soapbox. And he goes off for two chapters, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the first part of that is the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is, essentially means blessed, and blessed means more than happy, and that's what we're talking about today. Here's what he says. Okay? People didn't understand what he was saying, but they were captivated by who he was and the miracles and, the, you know, and all of that going on. And he starts out, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's what we'll be looking at today. Then he goes on. God blesses those, and they're sitting there going, he's awesome. I don't know what he's saying, but sounds good. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Isn't he good? Man, I've never seen anybody like him. For they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Amen. Preach it, preach it. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. He's not done. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He is just, he's good. This guy's good. And he keeps going. They're listening. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. He's changing the filter from happy to holy. They're not catching that. Neither do we, neither do I. That's what he's doing. Be happy about it. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Jesus is changing the culture. He's changing the filter. I think not only in that culture, but even in our culture, the reason that we are sometimes miserable or feel unhappy, we don't like where things are, is because, as I said earlier, in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not, happiness is what we're after. And life doesn't always make you happy. I thought I was going to get to stay home and I got to take Noah to practice and sit there and wait on him to get done and then pick him up and that doesn't make me happy. I've got to listen to this person you got to work with that person. you got to live with that person. Amen. And because happy is our default button filter that 
we're all after. We want this, that, and the other. When, when we're not measuring up to that, or life's not measuring up to that, we're unsatisfied. Not only we're unhappy, but we feel whatever. So we go out and use a credit card to make us feel better. We go out and have an affair to make us feel better. We get on the internet and look at something we shouldn't, or we eat too much. I don't do that, but we eat too much. We do whatever we can to make ourselves have some type of false happiness. And God said, you weren't created to be happy. You were created to be holy and have relationship with me, to be my follower. He starts off this Sermon on the Mount. Let's read it. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Poor in spirit. If you break it down, poor in spirit means spiritually bankrupt. Let's say that together. Spiritually, blessed means more than happy. Jesus is saying it's more than happy to be spiritually bankrupt. Huh? See, being poor in spirit is the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. Now, don't fall asleep on me. I promise I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Let's say that together. Being poor in spirit is the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. We see this pattern throughout Scripture. The first four words of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Let's say that together. In the beginning, God. Here's what he's saying, essentially. This is the king's chair, God's chair. In the beginning, I created, I sit in that chair. We see this same pattern with Moses. We believe that Moses is probably the one who wrote the book of Genesis. We see in Exodus, Moses, God calls Moses up the mountain. He's sitting there with him and he's thinking, you know, the people are kind of clowning. They're starting to kind of not follow me and they're making all kinds of idols. It's becoming chaos. And I need to, I need to kind of get on my soapbox and straighten this out. And he puts the Ten Commandments together, which we're going to study this fall. We see at the beginning, not only of the Bible, but the beginning of the commandments, God says, no other gods before me. Commandment one. Don't make for yourself any idols. Commandment two. Don't misuse the Lord's name. Commandment three. What's he saying? Reserve this chair for me. There's a pattern. We see it in the New Testament. Some people ask Jesus. Now hang on there. We're going to get there. Some people ask Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God. First, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. This chair is mine. We see Jesus teaching us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Say that first line with me if you knew it. Know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Jesus says here, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Hallowed be thy name. 
See, life is about more than happy. Life begins with acknowledging that God is first. I, can, I can't do it with my left hand. I can dribble a basketball behind my back with my right. I know, you're proud of me. I'm humble. But you wouldn't start that. You wouldn't start there. You wouldn't start with, okay, step one, we're going to teach you how to put the ball behind your back. You'd start with, this is a basketball. It goes over there, and you dribble it like this. See, if we're going to be poor in spirit, we first have to understand what that means to be spiritually bankrupt and that God sits in this chair. In the beginning, God. No other gods before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't belong in this chair. And Jesus starts the most famous Sermon on the Mount. Now hear this, okay? This is where I'm going. Jesus starts the most famous sermon, the longest sermon, the soapbox sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, at face value, it may look like, well, he's saying something different. Here's what he's saying. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt who realize this is not my. The kingdom of heaven begins with realizing that we are poor in spirit. Why? Because pride always leads us away from the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're in here today, you don't even believe in God. You're an atheist. You're here because you're trying to please somebody else. It's all you can do to sit here. Because you want to walk out. And then there's others of us. You couldn't wait to come. So that's the kind of the extremes there. But all of us, regardless of how you feel about God, there's not one of us in here that admires somebody who's arrogant and prideful and full of themselves. Have you ever been working with someone? Maybe you live with someone and maybe at times you are that person. Where you hear somebody and it's me, 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 I, I, I. It's all about me. And there's something inside of us. Maybe it's from Genesis 127, where we are created in the image of God, both male and female in the image of God. There's something inside of us, this God DNA inside of us, regardless of whether we acknowledge God as God or not, that we are nauseated by pride and we are nauseated by someone sitting in a chair that doesn't belong to them. What do we value? The same thing that God values in James chapter 4 verse 6. He gives grace how? He gives grace generously as the scripture says. But God opposes the and gives grace to the. So God is generous to give grace. But we also see that God is specific in this scripture Who he gives grace to. Could it be that when we are full of pride, and there's those times. That's one of my struggles. We all have struggles. I struggle with this, this one. I don't like saying that, but I do. Sometimes I can struggle with it. The grace goes away when I start sitting in this chair that doesn't belong to me. Jesus starts blessed 
are the poor in spirit, the spiritually broken, those who realize I am nothing without God. Pastor Dylan, they're actually launching a new church today in Springfield. He used to be the youth pastor here. If you know his story, he basically grew up in a crack house and just far away from God. And when he came to God, he just changed his life. And I've heard him say it so many times. He said, man, there were times where all I had was God. I didn't have any place else to go. You know what that's called? He wasn't saying that he was poor in spirit, but that's the definition of poor in spirit. Realizing I'm nothing without God. I am a wreck without God. Pride doesn't kill marriages. It doesn't kill relationships. It takes us away from God. Those things I just mentioned, those are symptoms. And it pulls us away from God, and then we start seeing these symptoms. And the problem is, and the scary part is, at times, we give away the kingdom we possess, and we might be possessing the wrong kingdom. The Pharisees were about happy. It made them happy. It gave them control to be legalistic. And have you ever given somebody who doesn't have control in any other area of their, of their life and all of a sudden you give, they, you give them control and they just chokehold it? You're like, yeah, I work with somebody like that. They chokehold it. They don't have control in any other area of their life. And they finally get a little piece of leadership and they just squeeze everything out of it and they choke everything out. The Pharisees began to believe they were somebody because they were scholars and they'd study God's word and they began to put a chokehold on what the kingdom of heaven looked like. And they started passing out what they possessed. They started giving out this kingdom that wasn't of God because it made them happy rather than being concerned about what makes them holy and teaching Jesus' culture which kingdom Are you giving away? Jesus said, follow me. He didn't give weather conditions. He just said, follow me. To follow God doesn't always make us happy. But Jesus is saying it can make us blessed or more than happy. What does it mean to follow God? Jesus tells us. If any of you wants to be my follower, he tells you three things. You must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross, meaning take up your crucifixion. Take up your death. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And follow me. Jesus is with his disciples. And the disciples are kind of the opposite of poor in spirit at this point. They're full of themselves. And they begin to ask the question among them, who's the greatest? Who do you think is going to be the greatest next to God in the kingdom? You know, I, I've been hanging out with God quite a bit and... and you know, I know that God was mad at me for cutting that guy's ear off with a sword, but, you know, Jesus and I kind of, we're going to work through that. And who's going to be, who's the greatest? 
They're asking this question, which is the wrong question to ask. Rather than a poor in spirit attitude, they've got a, they've got a rich in spirit attitude. Rather than a humble attitude, they've got a prideful attitude. And Jesus, rather than answering them with words, what does the kingdom of heaven look like? What does it look like to be more than happy? What does it look like to be my follower? Jesus, rather than answering them with words, he takes the towel. And he washes their feet. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Who's going to be the greatest? You know, I've, been, I've served on the church board a long time. Who's going to be the greatest? I helped out with the fundraiser yesterday. Who's going to be the greatest? I serve in the church. Who's going to be the greatest? You know, there's a lot of things I do for people that they don't know that I do. I don't tell anybody. I'm just telling you. I'm not going to tell anybody else. But, you know, I do a lot of things for a lot of people. I don't tell everybody how much money I gave that family, but here's how much. Now, you don't tell anybody, so I can pretend to not tell anybody. Then I can tell them and not tell them to tell anybody. Who's the greatest? Jesus' answer to that is to get down on his knees, taking a towel, and washing the disciples' feet. Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus takes a towel and he gets down and he answers their question. Who's going to be the greatest? Jesus' answer, no words. He takes a towel. I don't even know if he made eye contact. I'm not trying to make you feel weird, Rick. I don't even know if he, if he even made eye contact with him. And he begins to wash their feet. You know what his answer to who's going to be the greatest is? Who's going to be the least? Who's going to be the poorest? What does it look like to be poor in spirit? Take a towel. Take a towel. Because it's not about being happy. It's about being holy. You were created to be more than happy. If your filter is happy, sure you're miserable. You weren't created to be happy. You were created to be like Christ. Genesis 1.27, for you created in the image of God, both male and female. And the more miserable you are, the more towels you take. Jesus says, the last, the last will be first. And the first, the first will be last. 
What does it look like to be poor in spirit? Let's read it. Take a towel. See, being poor leads to more. Being poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, realizing that I, there, I don't deserve this chair. Being poor in spirit is what helps you stay in your marriage. Being poor in spirit is what enables you to invite someone to church. Being poor in spirit is why you'd walk across the room to someone you don't know that's here and actually asking them their name and caring about what their name is and trying to remember their name. It's taking a towel. You know what's awesome? I've been at this church since I was 11 years old. I was gone for 10 years, but basically that long. And I look around and I see a lot of poor people. I saw some couple of poor ladies last week named Linda Russell and Kathy Schaus. I said, hey, Kyle, why don't we do a fundraiser for Deidre? $15,000. Adam felt called to come. He's away from his kids and his wife. I know he misses them. But he's taking a towel and saying, I, I, I'm not worried about being happy, God. I, w- I want to be holy. I want to be what you've called me to do. I watch this church. It blows me away every single year. The amount of money that we raise to send every child and every teenager to camp. Because it's not about having happy finances. It's about doing God's holy work. Amen. Jesus says, that the poor in spirit take a towel. See, being more than happy is realizing that I am poor. I am spiritually broken without God. And we can sit around and talk about why you want to leave your husband or why you want to leave your spouse or why you want to quit on God or why you're angry at something that happened to you years ago or why you're in the situation you're in or whatever else. But there's an acknowledgement in there somewhere that I am poor and God, I am, I am destined for nothing without you anyway. And I choose to serve you. I'm not worried about being happy. I'm worried about being holy. And you know, what's kind of funny is when we start putting holy, being holy first, we may not always be happy, but we find joy. There's a lady that went to church here. I don't know however many years She's been gone. Her name is Esther Thornburg. And I know you guys prayed your guts out for her. She wasn't happy dealing with that. She was full of joy. 
I'm not saying that God's calling us all to be miserable. But being happy is not the number one thing. And that's a game changer because if we look at things that we're frustrated about and we change our filter. Now, you got to hear this, okay? If you didn't hear anything else I'm saying, you got to hear this. If we could somehow be transformed by the renewing of our minds and we tell God, Lord, I pray that, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, all of a sudden, that situation that seems like we're hitting a Red Sea, God parts that Red Sea, and all of a sudden, instead of being happy, we're being holy, and we look at it from God's eyes. And we identify with Christ. In the same way that he took a towel and he washed the disciples' feet. You don't have to. But if you want to, there's two up front. There's Sharpie stations. A couple in the back, three in the back there. I am poor. Put it in your purse, put it on the fridge. Put it wherever you're going to see it. I don't know about you. I might be a pastor, but I can tell you right now, I'm going to need to remind myself of this all the time. Let's stand together. Jesus, thank you for taking a towel and climbing up on a tree. You took a towel, Lord, when they put nails in your feet. They put nails in your hands. You took a towel when that guilty, stinking thief on the cross looked at you and said, remember me. He was guilty. And you took a towel and you washed his feet and you said... Today, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Imagine what it would look like, not just for your own life, but for those around you. If we would take a towel. So here's a thought today. What God wants to do in you is more important than what you want God to do for you. What God wants to do in you. Now you got to hear that. I got to hear that. I got to hear this, man. This is for me. I could not sleep last night. God just... What God wants to do in you and through you is more important than what you want God to do for you. What we want God to do for us is why we put happiness at the top. We want God to do stuff for us. Send me Mr. Wright. Send me Mrs. Wright. Give me that job. Make the cancer go away. That's what we want God to do for us. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And I've got to be honest, I pray those things. But it can never trump what he wants to do in me and through me 
Now, you might go to some churches and hear prosperity gospel. That's not the gospel that I read. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. When, not if, you face trials. Because the testing of your faith, happiness is not the top, holiness is at the top. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So may we persevere. May we daily, as Paul did, die to ourselves and saying, my default button, you know, we all have a default button. My default button is happiness, but God, as I put, as I've spent time with you, would you transform that default button from happiness to more than that, more than happy? Would you transform it to holy? Would you transform it to Christ likeness? And Lord, if your will for me is to be like the prophet Jeremiah, who's the weeping, weeping prophet, who was called to bat and never get a hit, but just share your word, Lord, I will do that. If your plan for me is to get out of my comfort zone, I will do that. If your plan is for me to wait and wait and wait, I'll take a towel and I will do that. There are 20 to 25,000 people in this town. 15,000 of them are unchurched. It'd be really nice, not just our church. The kingdom of God is bigger than our church. The kingdom of God is bigger than our denomination. If churches all over would start taking a towel and caring more about what's outside the church than what's on the inside. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Father, may our poor spirits send us to the one lost sheep that's on the side of the mountain. May you break our hearts for the one so that we can add to the 99. Thank you, Lord, that there's so many people that I just look out and I see they take a towel. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Father, today we give you back your chair. Make us, Lord, more than happy. Make us poor. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great day.